How you feeling today, you guys? Excited, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be here, man. <laughs> we gonna get to some Eagles football at some it. point. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but on a serious note. <laughs> It's good to see you guys, man. Always a pleasure to speak with you. How you guys feeling? The season is getting closer and closer and closer. We get OTA videos. 98 days, something like that. I just seen 100 a couple days ago, so got to be about that. Seeing OTA videos. Got new screensavers coming to phone soon. How you guys feeling? Jalen Hurts is reportedly dealing thus far in OTA, so I'm doing amazing. Yes, I seen a 50-yard touchdown to Deion Kane, and things are good. Uh-oh. Life is great. Y'all are funny. Y'all are funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. I'm excited, yo. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm curious to see um, some more extended clips from OTAs. Um, not just of Jalen, obviously. Everybody's going to want to see Jalen, right? They're going to want to see what he looks like. Uh, I, I obviously, you know... Him being a quarterback, that piques my interest a lot more. I, I really want to see improvements with his feet, composure, um, consistency, you know, with his mechanics, his eyes, his feet, everything. Um, but I, I really want to see how up front looks. I want to see, you know, how Jason Kelsey looks. You know, every year, the last couple of years, that's one of the main things I want to look for and see is how's he looking because that's he's the foundation, you know, of that offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. Is he moving the same? Does he look healthy? Does he still look like the Jason Kelsey that, you know, he's proven to look like over the last handful, you know, of years and, what, a decade now, pretty much? So, I mean, I'm curious to see that. I'm curious to see the secondary, you know, how they're gelling together because there are new faces in terms of, you know, free agents. You know, you get guys that didn't really play a lot last year. They're probably going to get some run. Um, you're going to have a guy that, that was a third safety that's going to be stepping into that number two safety role, um, how he's going to look. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to see the rookies. I want to see the big boy up front. I want to see what they're planning on doing defensively with their scheme, how they're going to use them, how they're going to use everybody up front. Um, the linebackers, obviously, you know, health with Nicobe Dean is going to be top-notch priority, you know, seeing how he looks, if he's going to even be able to play this year or what the 
you know, news rumors are on that. Um, and then obviously everybody wants to see the new toy, right? They want to see AJ. Um, I'm actually more excited to watch Devonte this year, you know, uh-huh. and see how he looks in his second year now, uh, than I am watching AJ Brown. Um, cause I feel like I know the floor of what I'm going to get with AJ Brown. You know, obviously the ceiling for him is going to be high. Um, but I know what the floor is for him, at least for right now. I really want to see the steps Devontae has taken and, and what he looks like. Really, like, what his body looks like this year and how he's moving. And I'm just curious to see all those different things. Yeah, and um, I think that's a great segue into uh, our first topic. Um, this is hot off the presser, actually, from about, what, two, three hours ago. Shane Steichen, during his press conference today, he announced that uh, – and I guess during at the middle of middle point of last year, he was appointed the uh, play calling role, and I guess now he's a full time play caller on offense. Um, how do you guys view uh, that? I pose a double question for you. How do you guys view Nick Sirianni? Well, me personally, we spent I the think whole season I- asking what did Shane Spiker do. What was his job? We thinking that this was Sirianni in the big change. And now that we find out it is Shane Starkin, how exactly do you feel about Nick Sirianni? So my perspective on the whole thing is, one, if you're looking at, to answer your question first, Quell, Sirianni, I actually, I actually look at him in a better light in terms of the fact that for me personally, as a head coach, I don't want your hands deep dug into every area or one specific area of the team. All right. For me, a head coach needs to be like a John Madden type, Jimmy Johnson type, right back in the old days where, or even Bill Belichick, you know, during his stint with Tom Brady, you need to be the CEO. You need to oversee everything. You need to have like your hand a little bit in everything. Right. Like, I don't like a head coach that's the play caller. Like, that's just, that's way too much for a human being to have to take on at that level. He's running a team, organizing a team, looking at every aspect, every area of the, of the team, the organization. And then on top of that, he's also worrying about game plan and, and calling plays in-game, making game in-game adjustments with his play calling and whatnot. Like, that's, to me, that's just too much. So the way that I look at it is, I think Sirianni, whether it's right or wrong, I think he took a step back and he, he actually recognized that and said, you know what, I, I don't think I'm ready to do this. I don't think I can do this. If I'm going to be the best version of myself, what this team needs, this organization needs as a head coach, I don't think I can do that. So I'm going to hand this off to somebody that does have a, a more of a background in doing that, that I trust, and I'm going to let him kind of call those plays in-game and, and we'll kind of discuss and everybody will have a hand in in-game adjustments. It's just he's going to be the one to, to make the play calls. Um, so I think that's, that, that is like a maturity step for Sirianni in terms of being a head coach. Um, so I like that Steichen great. If he, you know, kind of improves off of what he did the back half of last season, you know, cause he can't come into this season and, and be like, well, look what I did at the back half of last season. We made the playoffs. I changed, you know, play calling around and we made the playoffs. Well, guess what, dude? You got bounced in the first round. Like, playoffs in this city, playoffs in my mind, it's not enough, right? It's not enough for me. It's not going to satisfy me, okay? Like, I need to see steps being taken here because he rode hard on that run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball 
high, you know, deficiencies in the offense, whether it be the quarterback, the receivers, you know, whatever it might be, you know, we're going to hide that by running the ball a lot because that's the strength. Okay, yeah, one that's, you know, semi-intelligent, that's smart, right? You want to feed the strong part of what, you know, your, your offense is good at. But it's the NFL, dude. You have to do, you have to develop, you have to get better, you have to start changing and and and, and forming a more well-versed style of offense, especially now this year with the weapons that he has, you know, the the veterans coming in because Jalen Hurts is a veteran now, right? After you get that one full season of starting under your belt, you're in my mind, you're considered a veteran now. Like you're somebody that younger guys are gonna come in, they're gonna look to, they're gonna ask questions to. So you have that now. You have experience, right? Even Devontae Smith, he should be considered a veteran. He played a whole season at receiver. He started every game. Like, he's going to be a guy that guys are going to come in and ask questions to and look to, right? Um, I need to start seeing a little bit more now from Shane Steichen. And it's not just Shane Steichen because I promised you guys he's not the only one sitting in a dark room by himself coming up with a game plan during the week, you know, coming up with the call sheet and stuff. He's talking to his quarterback. He's talking to his offensive lineman. He's talking to his running back. He's talking to his receivers. And he's definitely talking to all the, the other coaches. So I'm looking at this entire staff making that next jump, that next step forward in developing what this offense could potentially turn into. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Um, I'm going to be very hesitant to kind of get too excited. I need to see it first, right? What do they say about Santa Claus? Seeing is believing, right? Something uh-huh. like that, Polar yeah. Express, I don't know. So <laughs> I need to see it, right? <laughs> Pierre, you could crack a smile, I know, right? You're probably <laughs> laughing in your head, it's okay. But I need to Wait, see it first very before cool I start getting all wild and crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, and so for me, um, I think with Sirianni, the biggest thing is the lack of ego that is taken from him to, you know, take this step back. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure – Throughout his career, he's wanted to, you know, be the guy at the front calling the plays, be the man in charge. But, you know, being able to, you know, be the bigger person or, you know, just uh, be able to look at it from a, a different perspective, you know, like, you know, like you touched on, Coach T, you know, you're one human, you know, you can't do everything. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And I like how you brought up the lack of ego thing because I don't know if you guys remember. What was it like the last couple weeks of the season when we kind of all got together and we literally, you know, we were talking about that, how it's so cool watching him when the change started happening, the lack of like ego, because he's a receiver coach, receiver background, pass the ball, throw the ball, right? All those guys love throwing the football, right? I mean, but for him to be able to take a step back and be like, listen, our pass game is just not there. And at that time we thought he was calling the plays and we were saying it, the lack of ego for him to be able to say, you know what, what I'm doing just isn't working, so we got to do something different. And he did it in our mind at that time, and it, it worked out. So I think that's the cool thing is is having a head coach. And I think we had that with Doug. I just think Doug was more of like a puppet with the front office and every other aspect. He was kind of being controlled and tugged on from a lot of different areas. But I like having that kind of head coach where it's like, hey, you know, here's what I would love to do, but – that's not what we can do. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to do what we're, we're best at. So, And so on the field, um, what kind of impact do you think 
do you guys think this is going to make? Because like, uh, I think at the, I think it was at the combine. I think Sirianni or Howie, I can't remember which one of them, but they said they wanted to see a bit of a more like explosive passing offense. So and you know we saw how much they ran the ball towards the end now of last year. Real. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but let's be honest. Hearing that, because this is the first thing I thought when I heard that during the combine. Yeah. Now I can't remember. I think it was uh Howie that said that, but. Anytime I hear the term explosive offense, explosive passing offense coming from anybody inside the Philadelphia Eagles camp, the only person that comes to mind is Jeffrey Lurie because, again, let's be real. He has said his his ideal picture of a a perfect offense is one that is high-powered in terms of being able to pass the ball. So, I mean, I don't think that like if if this was Howie or or even Nick, I don't think that they would want to change exactly the blueprint of what led them there. Which is why I, 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 that's one of the major questions I've been asking around. And I, kind of a piece that I want to get into is what do you expect the Eagles' offense to look like? I mean, we've heard it from multiple different accounts, but what do you guys expect the offense to look like this year? I mean, to me, when you look around at the additions they've made, you know, you would expect them, you know, like I said, you know, to be more, I guess, consistent and explosive in terms of their passing offense, you know, their running game, you know, they already, they have that down pack, you know, they got the offensive line for it. They got the the offensive line coach for it, but it's just that passing game. They got to get much more um, efficient with that. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, um, I don't even want to try to take a guess of what it's going to look like because to me that, to me that for me that would be irresponsible, you know, to sit there and say I think it's going to look like this when yeah. I have no idea. Right? I'm not in that building. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they want to use AJ Brown. I've heard people on TV say they want to use him as a vertical threat. I know for a fact he's a possession receiver, right? Like eating up stuff over the middle, you know, those intermediate routes. Um, I have no idea. I mean, they also have Miles Sanders, which is a wild card. Nobody's really been talking about, but if that guy's at the top of his game and that offensive line's working the way that it was last year, he could be one of the top 10 backs in the entire league. If he lasts a full season, it's just, that's just how it is. Um, So I don't know what I would like to see them do more of though, is I'd like to see them kind of develop a little bit more versatile play action game. Um, Not just, you know, have it as like a quick, hey, let's just proximity fake and then just get into a drop back. Like, give me a, give me multiple play actions off of a lot of the looks that you give in terms of your run game, um, whether that's under center, shotgun. Hey, show me some pistol sets with Miles behind Jalen. I was just, I was just about to say that. I want to see a lot more pistol looks, especially if they're going to run gap and power schemes. Run, run pistol, dude. If you want to get yeah. your back in there, let them get downhill. Um, you know sidebar with what you know he's kind of off behind Jalen at that 45 degree angle you know on either side like I want to see a little bit more versatility in that um you know depending on Jalen however Jalen is developed from the end of last season Tampa Bay game to training camp and and the first game of the year you know that's going to determine a lot of what this offense could look like um and then how he kind of performs and develops that first couple weeks of the season, you know, is also going to determine how that offense is going to look the rest of the year. 
Uh, we saw it last year. You know, first game looked great. You know, games after that didn't really look that great when they put a lot on his plate to throw, and that wasn't just his fault. Um, there was a lot of different aspects that played into that, but, you know, playing quarterback, that is going to determine a lot about how, one, the organization is going to run, and, two, how your offense is going to look, you know. So, I mean, it, it's it's definitely something interesting to keep an eye on and watch, but, um, you know, I'm hoping that they rely on the run game still, not as much as last year and they develop some sort of unique and versatile play actions off of a lot of the stuff that they do, whether that's quick game. I'm not a big fan of RPO type stuff. Um, if they are going to do that, make it like mid second level RPOs, not freaking quick slants and outs and stuff like give that kid time to ride the fake and let things open up in front of them. There's a fly in my house and I'm going to lose it. Yeah, and um, your latter point that you touched on, I think that's a great segue into our next uh, point or topic. With Jalen Hurts heading into year two, um, you know, it's been talked about ad nauseum about the expectations for him and everything that, you know, the Eagles are putting on him and going into his second year as a starter and, um, you know, them being armed with, what, two first-round picks and things of that nature. But for you guys – what do you need to see from him to where you can say or you think the Eagles can say this is the guy? Is there a statistical um, benchmark or anything like that? Honestly, and I feel like I touched on this a little on Twitter, there could never be a statistical benchmark. There could never be any thing of that nature where you can say Jalen Hurst is going to be the guy because the first thing I think about when I think about these specific attributes is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, you're talking about a player who, a former MVP, a player who led the NFL in touchdown passes, a player who has not only shown a willingness, but who has made strides as a passer in his own right. But yet, the narrative surrounding him his entire career is will he ever be good enough as a passer? He can't pass. Things of that nature where you can kind of see the unfairness for, and you don't even want to make it a racial kind of thing. It's just a skill set kind of thing where people don't respect quarterbacks with a specific skill set. If you're a better runner or more established runner than you are a passer, then it is hard to respect you as a quarterback. It seems like the way the league is setting up versus, I mean, you've seen with Cam Newton and I mean, yeah, Cam Newton and, Lamar Jackson, two completely different styles of offense, but still ones that specifically led by the run game, the play action pass game, as Coach said. You've seen teams be able to use the run game as the forefront, and I think people don't necessarily want to believe that that can be the case, especially with the direction the league is heading where everybody's throwing the ball all over the yard. If you're not running the wide zone offense, you're throwing the ball all over the yard. So the, the specific offenses that – try to use the gimmicks for people like to call them the options, the quarterback runs, the things of that nature. They don't feel like they have a long-term place in the league. So it would never be fair for Jalen in terms of what do you think a, a specific number benchmark would be. But I do think in the front office aspect, I think they have to be able to establish what exactly is the team ceiling with Jalen Hurts. And I feel like that will take us a long way. They don't really care if this team makes it to a Super Bowl off the back of him running the ball 15 times a game. Probably highly unlikely, but just putting a scenario out there. If that's what gets the team to a Super Bowl, I don't think that 
the team would look at each other like, we got to make a change. I mean, probably Jeff Laurie, and I mean, he probably has the highest amount of say-so in the room. And we just mentioned previously his feelings about having a dominant passing attack. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. So I feel like if the team establishes that they can be a force, not just in the NFC, but uh, in the entire NFL, then Jalen Hurst might save himself a lot more time to work with. Otherwise, I mean, it'd probably be safe to expect the Eagles to dip into the quarterback market again next season. Yeah, I mean, for me, pretty similar to what Claude just said, it, it's not fair to put, like, a specific number or, like, stats or, st- like, statistics and stuff on, like, hey, if you reach this, like, it's a contract, right? If you hit this, you get a bonus, right? For me to kind of make my judgment on them because, to me, stats are – you know, subjective. Could, yeah, I mean, you you could be a stat stuffer, or you could be somebody that's a really good player that doesn't get the recognition, doesn't get the stats. But listen, you just do your job, right? So, like, <laughs> there's so many different ways of looking at that. It's just so unfair in today's game um, to kind of use that as a benchmark for for an individual player, especially a quarterback. Um, for me, what I'm looking for from him is one. Obviously, I need to let me just see him small improvements week in, week out, right? Like I need to, see, I need to see big improvements from Tampa Bay to Week One this year, right? Mm-hmm. I need to see that he took that time, invested that time, effort, money, right, into improving those areas of his game that he lacked last year, or that he wasn't as proficient at last year and consistent at. But each week, just hey, keep showing me that you're getting better. Keep showing me that you're learning. Keep showing me that you're getting comfortable, more and more comfortable in this league, um, at that position. And then the big thing that I really, really want to look for is can he prove to me that he's not a quarterback that you can win with, but you can win because of, right? Is he going to jump into that tier where he can prove to me that, all right, he's a guy that I can win because of, not, yeah, he's just on the team and we can can win with him, right? Show me that you're that dude. Give me a moment or two where I can sit there and hang my hat on and be like, Jalen won that game for us. So I guess that brings me back to something similar to what I just said, where I personally don't care if he we're winning and we're in the Super Bowl because he rushes the ball 15 times a game for a phenomenal rate. Is there a specific point where you look at his skill set and you say you have to be able to do this or this is the bare minimum for us to be able to, where you sit here and say, okay, Jalen can be the franchise quarterback of this team, but was there ever a point where you look at it like, I understand what I'm signing up for with Jalen Hurts as my quarterback, and I mean, yeah, we expect him to make the jump, but what I expect from Jalen Hurts is the same thing I expected from the get-go. Jalen Hurts the winner. He's going to find, if if it's the fourth quarter and this game is on the line and we have a chance, I expect him to help me pull this out, because that's just his character type of thing. What are you, basically, what are you looking more for? That part, that portion, or a skill set boost. I mean, not necessarily skill set. I'm like he could literally. So in my mind, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking of like, okay, like let's say Jalen had like a mediocre game the for three quarters, three and a half quarters, right? And it comes down to crunch time, and there's a moment or two in that in that game that he just did something, whether he does it with his legs, decision-making, throws the ball, right? Ideally, 
throughout the year, I'd like to see, you know, hey, show me something with your legs, show me something with your arm, right? Mm -hmm. Show me something decision-making-wise. You know, whether that's time management, whether that's throwing the ball away when, when it's necessary, whether that's, you know, taking a check down or, hey, you see a matchup, taking a shot, right? Like situations of show me a handful of moments that I can hang my hat on and be like, hey, yeah, maybe he didn't have the greatest game, but that one moment or those two moments in that game that were crucial, he delivered. And I think I think he did that at times last year. It just wasn't consistent. Like the Carolina game where they, the Chargers. offense was struggling. Yeah, the Chargers game too, yeah. But most specifically the Carolina game maybe because they won that game. But, <laughs> you know, the offense was struggling, you know, majority of the game. But the second – I think it was the towards the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, he turned it on and they were able to pull it out. Show, show me something against a quality opponent. In a bigger <laughs> game. No, 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 no. I'm not – like, listen, I'm happy with that stuff last year because yeah. I'll take that last year in his first year. I'll take that. But now it's his second full year as a starter. Yeah. You've proven to me you can do it against those quality opponents, right? Show me if you can do that against, like, Dallas on a Monday night or Sunday night. Yeah. Primetime game, division opponent that we're going to be battling with the entire year. Show me that you can do that. You know, against, you know, let's say the Jaguars come out and they actually look like a pretty damn good team this year. And Trevor Lawrence is doing his thing. Doug Peterson's got them playing really well. Their defense is playing really well. And it's a close game. Show me you can do it against an opponent that has the talent and the ability on the opposite side of the field to be able to take a game from you. Show me that you're not going to allow them to take it from you and you're going to take it from them. You know what I mean? So... I guess I, it leads me out to one question, one true or false question for you guys. True or false, Jalen Hurts will or will not have a contract extension from the Philadelphia Eagles next season, heading into next season. So this is going to seem like a bit of a cop-out, but honestly, and if it was up to me, like if it's, 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 it's my opinion, I hope I 100% hope you will. You know, you guys are listening. You guys, you all know I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. But right now, where we are, what's today's date? June 3rd, I can't say true or false. I, I got to see it first. You know, like you just outlined, Coach, you know, all the things that he needs to do. You know, we got to see if he does it first. I think I think it's too it's too early to put a, to put a uh, definitive answer on that. So give me one second, Coach, and I'm going to let you touch on it this It's too early to put a definitive answer. Wait, you 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 cut out you cut out a little bit. You cut out a little bit. My back. Yeah, you good. Okay, I was I see why you would think that it's difficult to give a definitive answer, especially at this time of date right now. In the same breath, I feel like the Eagles are stuck with two choices, specifically Holly Roseman and company. You either extend Jalen Hurts or you draft a quarterback because there is no telling. I mean, yeah, sure, we could have this same conversation later on in the year. We find out about some young guy, maybe Quinn Ewers, who has jumped on the scene and could possibly be somebody you could look for in the 2024 draft. But as it's set right now, 2023 has been the year that we've all been looking to, not just us as fans, but like basically the entire league in terms of quarterback quality. So if you don't draft a quarterback this year, you kind of like, it's going to always, you basically putting yourself back in the Justin Jefferson situation where 
where they could have had this guy if they just would have drafted a quarterback with the two first-round picks they had, which brings me back to the whole, I, I guess it's the same thing that I asked one of our guests earlier on, where what exactly is where I asked Mark too, because I asked this to Mark as well, but what exactly is Jalen Hurts' leash? Like, you could have a competent season and buy yourself some time, for lack of a better term, to be the quarterback in 2024. But is that really a quality option when you don't really have an idea what the 2024 quarterback class would look like? Well, to me, I think unless he knocks it out of the park and is surefire, you know, becomes their franchise guy, they're going to take a quarterback in 2023. I don't mm-hmm. think they I don't think they wait until 2024. So you don't think there's any case where Jalen Hurts basically plays the middle ground like he did this year. He was good enough to buy himself some more time, but you'd like to see some more out of him. There's no more of that. I, I don't think so, no. Okay. I mean, for me, if you're asking, like, do do I think that they will? If I had to sit here right now, no. Would I like them to? Yes. The reason why I would like them to is, one, I don't even though they have two first-round picks next year, I don't think that they're in a position to be able to use those two and other capital to move up to get one of those pretty much two top quarterbacks that we're talking about, Young or Stroud, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody can probably sit here and agree that they're most likely going to go one-two in the draft. I don't think that they're going to have the ammunition to be able to move up from where they're going to be drafting with those two picks because the other one's the Saints, and – the Saints, believe it or not, I mean, they're they're a good football team. They have a mm-hmm. good roster, a good organization, right? They kept the continuity there by hiring within, right? Sean Payton's gone, sure. But they have guys that are established in the league. They're not going to be a slouch. They're not going to be an awful team this year unless something drastic happens where, you know, they have a bunch of injuries and, you know, they can't field a freaking roster throughout the entire year. I don't mm-hmm. see that happening, Right. The Eagles roster, probably the best roster in the division, right? They're better than Dallas now. Dallas, like Dallas mm-hmm. just hasn't improved. They've gotten, in my opinion, worse from last year in terms of talent. Um, they still had that same boneheaded coach in staff, right? So they didn't make changes there. Um, I don't think the Eagles are going to be in a position to be able to jump up to get one of those two guys. So then you look at it and you're settling for – a tier two, possibly tier three style quarterback if you decide to draft one in the in, in the first round next year. And I don't think you want to invest in that. I think you take another year and, and you, you invest in Jalen. You invest in your roster with those two first round picks. And in my opinion, look, you know, I follow a lot of the high school, you know, kids coming through, going to college and everything. The quarterback classes in 2024, 2025, I think they're better talent-wise, than 2023. We just haven't seen it yet. A lot of those guys, you know, they're they're going to be redshirt freshmen or they're going to be sophomores that are getting their first-year starts mm-hmm. this coming year in college football. So we have no idea. But from what I've seen while following a lot of these guys through high school and into college now, the talent is better than next year's draft class at quarterback. So you basically think there's a chance that the Eagles could kick this can down the road with Jalen and continue to see how he develops while playing the quarterback market? The way that I see the smartest way to see them taking a quarterback next year, 
is if Jalen comes out and he bombs and they just suck and they have a pick in the top 10 that's their own and then they use that and then they use wherever the Saints pick was, that would be the only way that I could see them being able to jump up to get one of those two top quarterbacks. Um, outside of that, I personally just don't think it's smart. My personal opinion is build your roster mm-hmm. and then when it comes time for either you have your franchise quarterback or you're trying to find one, then you invest everything into getting that guy. Or if you already have him, look, you just built a roster around a franchise quarterback. I think that's the smartest way to do it. I don't think the smart way of doing that is by, hey, let me get my franchise guy now and build around him. I think times have changed because mm-hmm. now you get a battered quarterback. You get a guy that's beaten down. He's he's so used to losing now, right? As a young Even more beyond that, where the first thing that I think about and I feel like this is going to be the biggest the biggest factor in Jalen Hurts or a future quarterback is we've kind of had a multitude of years of context where we see that teams that have quarterbacks on rookie deals are probably more one of the more highest successful teams in terms of rate. So if we can continue to buy off time where we can add talent to a roster that we think is complete, basically think Denver, if Denver was able to draft a quarterback instead of trading all of that capital for Russell Russell Wilson, where, I mean, you got a young football team, a team that you is only going to continue to get better, a young quarterback, and you still have capital continue to get better in the future. You can, that's kind of like ideal GMing, basically. I mean, and, and to your point too, Quell, they don't necessarily have to draft a quarterback. Right. They could you they could build around the quarterback position right now with those draft picks mm-hmm. and then use whatever capital they have to trade for a veteran. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. aka what Denver did, right? I mean Denver did the same thing this year. So, and the Browns, the Browns did it, whether that works out or not, they did it as well, right? Mm-hmm. You build a hellified roster around the quarterback position, and then you either find your guy in the draft, you either find him, you have him, or you trade for him when the time is right. I mean, the, 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 it's really not that complicated. What, what comes into play now is impatience, is organizations, owners, general managers, teams, fan bases saying, what are we doing? Like, we got to fix the quarterback position because we got to win now. When in reality, there's like maybe five to six teams in the league right now that are ready to win right now. Outside of that, other teams are chasing those the, that top those top tier teams to become the ready to win now, right? And then every once in a while, you get the outliers like the Eagles in 2017 where you go into the season, you don't look at them and say, oh, they're ready to win now. But they end up proving that they were ready to win at that point in time. So there's so many different ways of looking at it, so many different opinions on it. My opinion is you build around the quarterback position, and when the time comes, you either have your quarterback, you draft one, or you trade for one with whatever capital you have left. That's honestly a really interesting way to look at it, Coach, because, I mean, like, even if we – like, let's just completely be honest and be real with it. Like, even if the Eagles were – to pull that card in a situation like you just laid out. I think it's highly plausible a, a quarterback like Kyler Murray or some of these other guys are available next year where they could 
I see you making that face, Pierre. Don't do that. Kyler Murray is a, a, a high-quality quarterback. He might be a brat. Sorry, Kyler. I love you. But he's a high-quality quarterback in this league. Like I told you a long time ago, I'm, I'm, my flag was been plunged in on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon. The one time I actually thought about grabbing my flag was when I heard Kyler Murray was free. Because the things, just think about the way the offense looks now and how you can use Kyler in a lot of similar ways that you use Jalen, but you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't, no, 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 no. Don't, don't get me wrong. Kyler is an extremely talented quarterback. He's very talented, but it's just the, the whole off the field locker room aspect, you know, like you, like you touched on. And that's very uh, important, though, especially at that position. It's very important yeah. to have that guy that's like especially that. in the one city. thing Jalen has going yeah. for him, but now he's just got to catch up with the physical side of stuff. Yeah. And I think that that leads on to our next point with Hurts. How much of his deficiencies can really be fixed in one offseason? Because, you know, Steichen, he talked about it today um, during his presser in terms of, like, the mechanical aspect of it, in terms of, like, lower body mechanics, hip flexibility, the base of his throws. And, you know, we were talking about it before, you know, we started recording, um, you know, how he just needs to become much more, like, concise and much more uh, efficient with it all. Well, I touch on this a little bit, but I remember a conversation we once had when you guys tuned in doing our Philly draft blitz, where the guy above me, well, at least his boxes above me in my screen, said I defer to him to quarterbacks, and he defers to me to guys in the trenches. So I give my little piece, and he can take you down the trail of how and why Jalen Hurts can improve. But I mean, he, in terms of how much is fixable, I didn't ever really see anything wrong with Jalen that was, oh, no, this cannot be a franchise quarterback type well, of problem. Well, maybe maybe not fixable, improvable. Maybe that'd be a better term. Okay, improvable. How much is improvable? That, that probably is a better term because, I mean, while I like to think that if taught correctly, everybody can play the quarterback position perfectly, Everybody develops dirty traits over their time. So, I mean, whether his traits are some of the traits that are going to be harder to fix than others or what we need to figure out right now. But, I mean, based on what I've seen from Jalen on tape and what I've seen from past quarterbacks, Jalen doesn't have a throwing mechanic, I mean, a throwing motion problem. He doesn't have any anything specifically where you like, like I just said, uh, you can't build a franchise quarterback around that. That is just highly unfixable. Jalen's issues are his body just isn't in sync from top to bottom. And you could even look back to, I think it was a play against Tampa Bay that resulted in an interception where you could make the argument that he was late, but I don't even think it the fact that he was late. I think it was his delivery and how he stopped and started at the last second. You're talking, about, you're talking about the, the one where I think Smitty was in the back of the end zone yep, yep, where he tried exactly. to, like, zip it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That exact play. He moved. He, he, he did. And this goes to, like, his feet being on time, stuff that he's been cleaning up this offseason or supposedly mm-hmm. he's been working on, right? I mean, it's a wait and see to see if he actually did improve on that stuff. But that's, that's the reason why that interception happened was because exactly. he was just not on time with when the play should have been made and when the receiver was open and when he decided to make that that decision just wasn't timed up properly. And when your timing's off 
it starts with your feet and your movements with your feet and your eyes. And like Quell was just kind of hitting on there, from top to bottom, it's just not in sync, you know, overall. Everything, you know, one thing's moving one direction while the other's moving, you know, the opposite or, or one's, you know, get like one part of his body is set and ready to go, but the other part's not, right? Mm-hmm. And playing quarterback is such a sequence movement position where everything has to be tied together in a specific sequence. Every It's going to look different for every individual because every individual is unique in their own way. So to find like the ideal perfect quarterback where everything just looks perfect at every point in their mechanics and, you know, their play and whatnot, you're never going to find it because every guy is different. There's not a perfect way of looking at it, but the timing of it all, that you can find where it's perfect. Like it has to be, this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen in order for it to look and result in this in a positive way. And that's just something that he wasn't very good consistently at this previous uh, season. Um, Ask me the question again. How much of his problems do you think are fixable, for lack of a better term? The things that you think are wrong with Jalen Hurts. And wait, just before just before you go, yeah. um, one one thing I, I wanted to say on it was I think um, a lot of it it can be like improved with more reps. You know, the more time he gets on the field, you know, the more time he gets to play against you know different looks and different things of that nature. I think um, it'll it'll start he'll start to like pick up things more and be able to process faster. Kind of touching on what you just said, Pierre, too, and more so a question directed to you, Coach, that probably would linger back to everything you were just saying. How much of this, especially his top not communicating with his bottom, because I, I, I noticed this, and I don't know if it's a correlation. Another question that I wanted to get to ask you about, but how much of this do you think attributes to the fact that he came from, at least when he started to make his strides as a passer, the fact that he came from an air raid offense? The fact that everything was kind of like decided for you most of the time when it's very rare that you're going through progresses and like basically everything is all drawn. It's simple reads for you where you don't necessarily got to be on time. You don't necessarily got to have body right. You just got to make the right decisions. And him moving from an offense like that to an offense where sometimes you're in the shotgun, sometimes you're under center. They're basically different qualities to everything where it's just basically him getting used to what's going on around him. Yeah, I mean, that that probably plays a part in why he's not really as consistent in in those areas. Um, to answer the first question, everything is – you can develop everything um, that he has that he needs to kind of fix or, or work on. Um, there's nothing that he does that can't be corrected or adjusted or fixed or whatnot. Um he wouldn't be at this level if there were things that you look at and you say, I can't fix that. I can't correct that. Like there's just no way he wouldn't have made it this far in Mm -hmm. his career, you know, through college, through two, you know, blue blood programs in college, you know, getting to the highest level and then playing in the NFL. He wouldn't be here if there was stuff that you couldn't, you couldn't adjust, fix and improve on. And that's why, and that's why it's so frustrating when you have people who act like the guy is just not an NFL quarterback or he just, just doesn't have any yeah like it's it's just frustrating man yeah i mean and and that's 
I mean, you can't really get too mad about that because they're fans and they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're couches. Everybody right? Like, that. that's just, it's the way that things are, you know, and they have their opinions and they have their way of looking at things. And, you know, you just got to let them kind of look at them and, and, and think that way and see things that way. And eventually they'll either be proven right or proven wrong. You know, it's just the way the world works. But everything that he has that he, he needs to adjust and, and fix, right, is correctable like you you can adjust and fix on those and and, and clean them up it, it's going to take time with a lot of the stuff and like you you hit on reps is going to help um but the the meat of when that stuff can be corrected is during this time you know the off season mm-hmm. he has to really dive into that if this is something that he's serious about and the coaches are serious about him correcting that and you know maybe giving him that ultimatum like hey either you show that you're improving this or Listen, like, you know, we have the capital. We might be moving on. Like, you need to prove to us that you're the franchise guy. Okay, well, take the time, dude, and, and correct it. And from what I've heard, you know, the people that he was kind of working with, you know, he's he's working with the right people that are going to help him do that. Um, now, the air raid stuff and, and kind of the offenses that he's come from, it, how that impacts now, yes, it, it, de- it definitely plays a part in – why he's very inconsistent with stuff and, and mainly his timing on things. Cause the NFL is, is built around timing mm-hmm. off offensively pass game wise blocking run game. Everything is built around time. You can get away with, you know, deficiencies with your timing um, in college and high school and every other level. Uh, but not in the NFL because you're playing against the best athletes, the best football players in the entire world the best coaches in the world, right? Like there's just way too much ability and intelligence in this game at this level that you can't really get away with that because you'll be exposed. And that happened a lot last year with Jalen. And the main thing is timing with his feet. In an air raid offense, they do not really coach you hard on, hey, you have this type of route, this type of concept, this is your reads, right? So your drop back and your footwork needs to match this so that you're on time with delivering the ball when this receiver's at this point and, you know, make this play, right? They're not really built around coaching that heavily. They're more built – they're more so built around space, timing into space, right? So so is it is it more like see it, throw it type of – Yeah, I mean, like yeah, it's, it's more, more so like, hey, you know, pre-snap, this is what you get. What do you like? Or, hey, post-snap. <laughs> these are the areas of the field that we're looking to expose. As soon as you see that area of the field open, you know, and your receivers head into it, Hey, make sure you just get set. Boom. It could be at this point in time after the snap. It could be at this point in time. It varies, but like honestly, NFL's run a, a big 12. And that's where most of the area, I mean, the area started to trickle off into other places, pack 12 sec now, but big 12 is mostly where you find air raid type of offenses or power raid with Lincoln Riley. And then we like to call it the way it was a mixed offense. But I mean, those type of offenses, you never really, as coach just says, it, it was never going to really be a timing based thing. Cause like you said, it's see it, deliver it. You, you're not really on any type of schedule. And even everything that's drawn up for you is it's like if this not here, this is sure to be here. Like it's it's more so more of a chess match between the coaches than anything the quarterback or the player has to offer. You just have to have the talent to execute what's in front of you. 
they they know what defenses they're gonna see or what defenses the team likes to run, and they try to draw up a play that should beat that. As long as you can follow directions, you're good. Type of thing. Yeah, and so the uh, final question I had on this topic before we switch gears, um, you know, it's been talked about a lot of how him having a second, I guess, second season in the same system for the first mm-hmm. time since high school, how big of a factor that's going to be. And um, for you, from a coach's perspective, uh, how how big what? of a – how important do you see that being? Uh, because I, I know, like, like, like in terms of, like, the, the play speed of the game and, you know, knowing the signals and the, the – uh, verbiage of different plays and things of that nature. That's that's a huge element of it, also. Yeah, I mean the main thing is is you want your quarterback because I mean they're they're supposed to be an extension of the coach on the field, right? So they're supposed to be the head honcho, the guy that that it's their team, their offense. They run it. It goes through them, right? They're the one that they're the only player on the field. Them in the center are the only two players in the field that touch the ball every single play on the offensive side of the ball throughout the game. Like the only player, unless you run a wildcat, you know, which we don't really ever see anymore. But the quarterback in the center touched the football every single play throughout the entire game on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so the main thing, you want your quarterback to be relaxed. You want them to be confident. You want them to just feel like, you know, very not casual, but just like a deep breath and an exhale and just kind of playing their game like their kids again. And the way to do that is by having continuity, having consistency, and, and being in the same offense, being in the same system, right, year in and year out. So, I mean, that's, that's a massive thing. And I think that's something that, that is going to help him this year on top of the work that he's doing in the offseason. But now, because he's been in the offense for this now second year with the same staff, right, players, same players, just added some new faces and the faces that you added happen to be best friends with him, right? So he already has that camaraderie, that, that relationship with, with those guys. Um, it's just going to allow him to not have to be thinking from pre-snap to end of play, like throughout the entire time, right? And the less that you really think, the more like calm, relaxed, smooth, and consistent you're going to end up playing. Now, don't get me wrong, quarterbacks, they're constantly thinking. Like, their brain is spinning. It has to spin the entire time. But at the level of what he's thinking and how he's thinking, is he thinking in terms of, like, rushing? Or is he thinking in terms of just like, hey, I'm, I'm going through my reads. I'm, I'm confident. I'm comfortable with everything that's going on because I understand the offense and I understand what we're trying to run. I know what I'm seeing the defense is giving me and trying to do to me. And I know – what I can do with this play or what I can do with this system to beat what that defense is trying to do to us. So having that consistency, that second year, that is really, really going to help him in terms of decision-making the time that it takes for him to make the decisions, checks, putting his team in the right situation to be successful throughout a game. All of that plays into it. There's so much more um, that would take a really long time to deep dive into kind of getting into, but to answer your question simply, Yes, that is going to have a massive impact on his play. Um, and I think it's going to have a massive impact in a positive way um, as long as he's, you know, cleaned up those areas physically in the offseason that he's talked about and everybody has really talked about him doing. So within the aspect of what you just said, 
basically, how successful do you expect Jalen Hurts to be this season? Like, what his ceiling could be? What? Yeah, basically, what what do you expect to see based on what your knowledge of what a Philadelphia Eagles offense could look like, and your ideal jump for Jalen Hurts? What exactly is the perfect Jalen Hurts for the Eagles this year? Um. I think he could honestly end up being like a a alternate at a Pro Bowl level, like ceiling wise. I think that's what he could do. I think he's a guy that could lead you to the second round of the playoffs. I think he's a guy that could win the division for you, um, or he can win the division with. Um, floor wise, pretty steep floor, but ceiling wise, like he's somebody that has like a really low floor but a really high ceiling. And it's all going to depend on the work that he's done this offseason. You know, the offense and everything, it'll, it, that'll all take care of itself. As long as he's done the work on his own that is necessary for him to be able to play at this level, at a high level, and consistently at a high level, the offense will take care of itself. Um, I think he's made those adjustments. I think he's invested the time. I believe in the guy that, you know, he's going to make those corrections. So I personally think that he's a guy that could lead this team to a division title. He could lead the Eagles to, you know, at least a playoff win, maybe not more, right? I mean, there, there's so much that this this young man can do, and a lot of my belief in him stems off of the type of person and leader that he is, and that shows you the kind of work ethic that he has, um, shows you the trust that he has with his teammates, and when you have trust from your teammates, they're going to play harder for you. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a playoff, a division-winning quarterback, a playoff game-winning quarterback, if not more. Um, and if, you know, he plays really, really well, he has the potential to possibly make a Pro Bowl for his own personal recognition. Yeah. And so, um, switching gears here, you know, we'd be remiss if we don't speak about the other side of the football with uh, Jonathan Gannon. Um, you know, a common theme for this episode, I think, has been just uh, expectations. Um, so, for Jonathan Gannon, you know, last year he came in, you know, he was lauded as, you know, the next big thing at defensive coordinator. You know, he's got the head coaching interest from the Houston Texans. Um, and, you know, last year, you know, it was a bit of an excuse for him because, you know, they were pretty much trying to run his system with Jim Schwartz's players. But this offseason, you know, they've went out and, you know, they've signed Hassan Reddick. They've drafted Jordan Davis and Nicole Dean. They've uh, replaced Stephen Nelson with James Bradbury. Um, in my opinion, I think he has the pieces he needs to be successful. So for you guys, um, what is you guys' ceiling for this defense? Wow, that's a, a really difficult question because, I mean, in terms of talent, it's the limit. It's, the sky's the limit for the defense because it, it kind of – this question is more of a segue into the question I got for you guys afterwards, but I'll get to that in a second. But – I mean, in terms of the talent, the talent is there at all three levels for this to be a successful defense easily. Now, how long it takes everybody to get adjusted, accustomed to what we're trying to run is another thing. But Jonathan Gannon really has no excuses. And, I mean, I hate that term, the whole no excuses thing, because anything is possible and anything can happen. In the same breath, I mean, basically, if you look at the – 11 players that the Eagles would be trotting out on defense. I don't see any case where 
this isn't a top 10 defense in many statistical categories. I mean, you want to talk about the run, you got a guy who can basically control that whole gap and a half thing that these defenses like to run. You he can he can't be single covered in the running game. You have to send a double team at him. He can't single cover him in the pass and pass in pass rushing. So I mean, in, in terms of that's just like we touched on with him pre draft, how good his conditioning is and things of that nature. But he does have a lot to offer in terms of a pass rusher when he's at full health. Yeah. But and just one of the things that I wanted to touch on with him is, you know, the defensive tackle position, you know, you have the right guy there that can really like, I guess, um, change what you want to do philosophically on defense. You know, you got the right body type, you know, you can be as versatile as you want up front. Um, and I think having a guy like him, you know, that's going to allow them to just, you know, do so much. So I guess it's more so, since we're still here on hit on the topic of Jordan Davis, do you think it's plausible that a, a player like Noah Ellis makes the roster just based on his skill set and how the team likes to operate or would like to operate with Jordan Davis in terms of, like I just said, the whole gap and a half thing and how Noah Ellis, I mean, while he isn't Jordan Davis, but who is, at the same time, he is no slouch himself. He's talking about a guy who had power five offers before settling in where he did. So, I mean, what do you think uh, having two guys of that nature brings to the defense in terms of well, consistency? Well, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Javon Hargrave, when he was with Pittsburgh, didn't he play some nose tackle? Actually, he did. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, I think, like, you know, you got Fletch, you got Javon, you got Jordan Davis, you know, and Milton Williams. I think that's going to be the four defensive tackles. I think Noah Ellis – and the Tui Pelotu, I think they may be candidates for the practice squad, but I think it make it a bit kind of redundant. So, honestly, having all those, yeah. based on the way you presented it, and this is something for us to think about, actually, but we got to remember, Fletch has played in the 3 four system previously yeah. when he was doing his time with the Eagles, and yeah. I don't recall him spending much time as the three four nose tackle. He spent a lot of time as the as the deep, right three in. four yeah. defensive end. Right. So basically coming off of the five tech type of thing. So with that in mind, do you think that I mean of course I'm pretty sure Gannon has done his research. Do you think that Gannon will preferably use Fletcher as the five tech? More so Whoa. than using him as the nose tackle? Well, I think it all comes, like I said, you know, it all comes down to how versatile, how multiple they want to be up front. You know, some fronts, they may have Fletch as, you know, the nose tackle head up over the center. And, you know, other fronts, you know, they, it may be Jordan. Some, they may have Javon. You know, it, it differs, you know, because they can do so much. Okay, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. Just wanted to get a view on how you thought that Gannon would like to execute, I mean, how would like to deploy a player like Fletcher Cox heading into this season, especially since he has his own personnel in place. What about you, Coach? As I was just saying to Pierre, I mean, Fletcher Cox does have experience in the 3-4 defense, but mostly when he was in the 3-4 defense, he was used as the defensive end, there, more so as the 5 tech instead of playing a lot of zero. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I like him more there. 
instead of kind of being that two gap in A to A guy, just because uh, he's very like twitchy. So he's mm-hmm. he's got real quick and, and twitchy movements, and and I like that more with his kind of strength and, and force that he brings, um, going against like you know half a guard tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than kind of being stuck in a lot of traffic and and have potentially two guards and a center kind of coming down on him, right? Um, I would rather see Jordan Davis or you know Hargrave as that nose or even if they want to tilt the nose, have them shaded one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just bigger bodies, wider wider bodies, not bigger in terms of like overall size, but they're just wider bodies that fit more of that two gap in kind of mentality that you want. Um, honestly, with the skill that they have up front on the defensive line, I'd like to see them just run a bunch of multiple fronts. Yeah. Right. Just run a bunch of different fronts and, and even I'd like to see some old school like stemming pre snap, like where they show one thing and then as the quarterback going through his cadence and they're all set and the center makes his checks and calls already, hey, just stem. Stem and shift into a different look, a different front or, or whatever you want to do. Try to mess with the timing and, and the communication of that offensive line and, and the quarterback and everything. Um, I think they have the versatility and the ability to do that. I mean I'm curious to see how that front's going to look just because yeah. of the different styles of guys, different sizes and abilities of guys that they have up front and the number of guys that they have up front there. I mean, that's, they have most of their money, the most of their cap is put into that defensive front. And that's where they spend all their money, right? So let's see it now. If you're going to spend all that money, you're going to have all those guys, that, the, that talent up front there on the defensive side of the ball, uh, use it. Right. Don't just be vanilla and, and stagnant and just run one specific thing and, and stick with that. Right. I don't care if you're rolling bodies in or not. Show me something different. Be unique with it when you have that type of ability. Like this is probably the best defensive line or at least deepest and most talented defensive line now with Jordan Davis added in football, at least in the NFC. Yeah. So my my thing is, let's see you be versatile with it be unique with it don't just stick with the same style front like be multiple you know stem pre-snap you know to try to confuse the offensive line the communication up front for the offensive side of the ball show me that uniqueness that versatility because if you look at their all the bodies that they have up front on that defensive line the versatility that they have there is probably some of the best versatility that they've had in the last like 10 years you know what i mean like so use it use it to your advantage especially when you have lack of depth in the secondary help those guys out by using your front seven by being multiple by by bringing pressure by you know stemming by stunting by twisting by doing all these things playing games up front do that because that's the strength of your defense so that's where the most like uniqueness needs to be is where you have the strength and the depth of your defense and either side of the ball so if you have it up front use it so I must say, since we're here on talking about the defense, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but not to say I told you so, but I don't think it's very likely that the Eagles add somebody that is not named Marcus Epps playing a safety position this season. How are you guys feeling? I'm a little worried about the depth aspect of it. Yes, that is true. Yeah, that, that's my biggest. He should be okay. I mean, well, I, I think, think it'll be fine, 
But I think that with them adding uh, Jimmy Moreland, you know, he's a guy who's played some nickel corner. And I think the hmm. question was posed to Avante about maybe a week or two ago about him possibly playing more safety. And I think that's the element that people have uh, not talked about yeah. enough. To account. Yeah. 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 So if need be, I think he can he can suit in and uh, or slot in and uh, play some safety. The other thing that people aren't really looking at as much is the Eagles played a lot of three safety sets, right, yeah. last year on mm-hmm. defense. And you want to know the reason why? It's because they had no linebackers. Nope. Mm-hmm. Had no linebackers, so they had to make up for an area of the defense in terms of coverage and, and playing the run. And because they didn't have any linebackers or depth at linebacker, they had to throw in another safety. Yeah. So and I think it, hopefully it, they have the depth at linebacker. They have, you know, quality uh, backers that they can trust to throw out there to be able to run their their different sets on defense and only have to really rely on two safeties or yeah. shoot even one safety at times. Like I mean, there's there's so many different things that they can do. It's just the concern of if an injury or two happens somewhere from the linebacker position beyond for the safeties, that's a concern because the depth isn't there. As much depth as they have up front across the board, they are like polar opposite and they lack that same amount of depth in the back end of their defense. That's concerning because of the age of a lot of those guys in the back end, right? A lot of the wear and tear, tread on the tires, right? That's concerning. And then if that happens, you put more stress on the front of your defense. And then when that also happens, it's like a trickle down effect. You put a lot of stress on your offense. That's a recipe for disaster. Disaster. And you kind of took the words out of my mouth, kind of in terms of the trickle down effect, but I was going to look at it in a much more like positive light. In terms of them, you know, uh, having the personnel to defend the run game, you know, with Jordan Davis, you know, now they're not going to need to bring another safety down into the box when they're defending the run game. You know, you got two linebackers and Kobe Dean, Kaiser White, you know, who are very decisive uh, in the run game. I think Kaiser White graded out as one of the highest um, graded run defenders in the league last year. And then, you know, you got uh, Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. You know, you could be, you're going to be able to leave those two, you know, um, over the top of the defense. So, you know, like you said, it's a trickle-down effect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think Marcus Epps played well enough. You know, if you, if you look at stats and whatnot, like, he actually played really, really well on the chances yeah. of that, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I, I don't want to say I'm excited to see. I'm not really excited about that. Um, I'm curious to see and I'm intrigued to see how he kind of performs in a full like starting role as a yeah. player at this level. Um, he was he was actually um, and I, this is PFF, but he was actually their highest graded Eagle safety last year. So I think that's I believe what it's it. worth. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, he also. I mean, if you you got to look at the percentage of snaps too that he had compared to the other two guys. Yeah, you know he, he played he played a forty eight percent of the snaps last year. Right. So I mean, compared to you think what Ronnie McLeod and Harris probably played what like seventy plus yeah. percent of the snaps. Well, just to give us some context, I don't know necessarily about which player played however many I mean however many specific snaps. I was just looking it up and to both help and negate what you said, Pierre, about Maddox playing some safety. Possible, but you also have to know that the Eagles didn't play a lot of dime last year, something that we know that 
Gannon really wants to implement, but just couldn't. So the personnel for it. Right. So I think it could be possible that they have they have a package and where they pull where they come out in the down with Moreland and Maddox as the two nickel safeties in that position. You still have to figure out what we do at safety. I mean, not safeties. Two nickel backs at that position. You still have to figure out what we do at safety. But I think it's worth noting that the Eagles only played specific, like just casual four three defense. What we based them as. 15 times last year, like literally 15 snaps. They only had 15 snaps in the 4-3 defense. Oh, I did not know that. They had, in terms of nickel, dime, or plays with four fewer defensive linemen, they played at 437 snaps. And snaps where, I know you're going to like this one, Pierre, because you, I know you've been talking a lot about wanting to implement the hybrid defense, a little bit more three, four fronts and stuff of that nature, where they did play more three, four fronts than four, three fronts. 232. Music, music to my ears, brother. So now, just expect that number to go up. If you break it down and look at the opponents that they played, though, too, mm-hmm. that probably had a lot to do with it on top of personnel that they had. Like, if you're going to go against a team that has more of, like, a, a pass-heavy, right, like, spread style, like, hey, you know, they're going to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game, yes, you're, probably, yeah, you're probably going to not have as many big bodies mm-hmm. up front you're probably going to want to have more guys in coverage, right? More guys out wide, more guys deep in coverage there. And if you have all that money invested up front, you you know, you expect those guys to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, my concern is if you look at the division that they play in, right? Giants are trying to figure out Daniel Jones. Barkley's back healthy. They invested in their offensive line. What do you think they're going to do a lot of? Run the ball. Run the ball. You got Dallas, right? I know everybody talks bad about Zeke, and that offensive line isn't as good as it has been in the past and whatnot, but they lost weapons on the outside, right? What do you think they're going to do? Gallup's coming back off of injury, right? You know, what do you think they're going to want to do? They're probably football, right? Look at Washington. They just invested in running back. They have a a solid running back, you know. And that, I mean – just to add a little bit on what type of coach was saying in terms of Washington, I, I've heard a whole lot already that Ron Rivera has planned on implementing. Like, don't be surprised if you only see J.D. McKissick on third downs or on passing downs. But between the running back position, uh, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, they ready to tote the rock in Washington. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've already come up with their committee. And who's going? And that sounds like a power run game right there. Run smash mouth football. No, we need we need Carson throwing the ball. We, we I'm telling you right now, too. Time, don't sleep on Ron Rivera as a coach because that man is an extremely intelligent yeah. football coach. He's seen a lot. He's seen a lot. He's been around a lot. He's he's gone through a lot. He, he must he knows, a smart he man. Got, he knows what he's got in Carson. He knows the highs and lows. He knows what he can do and what he can't do, you know, in terms I of I said this a long time ago, honestly. This is perfect. This is like literally the perfect landing spot for Carson because finally he's landing on a team who plays to his play style. I mean, we talked all this time when he was in Philly about moving his platform. Carson is best when he's on the move. He's yeah. more accurate when he's out the pocket. Play action. Like you just said, Coach Will, you're looking at the Scott Turner offense who all they want to do is change your platforms, get you out on the move, run the ball, set up play action, stuff like that. So Carson is really in an ideal spot right now. 
I mean, it's it's all fine and dandy for us to make the Carson jokes because I mean, let's be real, it's something gonna happen at some point. But <laughs> in terms of his skill set, them getting the most out of Carson, the, the quarterback, I think this is a really good landing spot for him, especially if they run the ball like I expect them to. I'm telling you right now, if if that if he comes out and he plays the game within the offense, you know, mm-hmm. don't make jokes about the guy because the talent that that young man has, man, is – Oh, yeah. I, I, I'll never sit up here and deny his talent. Carson Wentz is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's the thing. He just got to get out of his own way. Yeah. yeah it's and all about the coaching, man. Up, if he can come way. against somebody, a coach that allows him to – be get him. out of his own way and, and brings the best out of him and just allows him to be a little bit more free with not the style of play, but just being a little bit more relaxed. not feeling like he has the weight of the world on his back every time, like he has to be the guy to make the play, right? That's going to be a little scary because their defense isn't something to sniff at. The reason why their defense probably hasn't been consistently really good over the last handful of years is because their offense has sucked. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's been so bad that it puts so much pressure on that defense. And now you got Chase Young coming back healthy, right? And I'm telling you right now, that boy is going to have a huge year. If a I had to put something year. on it, I mean, it might not start the season. Ideally, like a Washington fan would feel like. But should they stay healthy by week 18, they should be back in consideration as one of the more dominant defensive lines in the league. Yeah. I mean, as Coach, you said, got – Chase Young and Montez Sweat both getting back to full health. They both missed a couple OTAs earlier, but they should be getting back soon. Just getting more of a getting healthy thing. My only concern with Washington, they lost both Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, so they don't have as much depth in the middle as they used to. But in terms of yeah, and by saying terms of just the talent in general, it's still a a talented, talented team. And they got Holcomb, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Cole very, Holcomb. I mean, secondary wise, they lost Collins, right? Yeah, he's still a free agent. But it's, I'm about to say, it's a possibility they bring him back. They've been talking to him about a possible reunion, but we'll see how that goes. But I mean, if you got a great front seven that hides a lot of weaknesses in that secondary. Yep. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, this division, everybody laughs about the NFCs, but this division is sneaky. It's getting outside, much better. Outside much of the. Outside of the Giants. Even the Giants. The Giants I say even the Giants are getting better. That's a better football team. They got people in place that are going to make really good decisions. And listen, the, the listen, best part about it listen. is they build it from the trenches instead of just trying to find ideal football players. They build it from within. Listen, so, I mean, they're in the wrong long, path. As long as Daniel Jones is a quarterback of that team, I am not worried about them. I mean, you don't I really you, know man. who Daniel Jones is. I told you. Exactly. I told them that early in the offseason, man. I, I put you it talk about not seeing Brian enough from Jalen. All he needs. You talk about not seeing enough from Jalen to be able to make a decision. Hey, no way. You've seen enough from Daniel Jones in terms of being able to play consistently to be able yeah. to make a determination on that. Kid. Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything from him. Yeah. But even the owner himself has sat here and said the position that they left that kid in is like. You couldn't make a decision on anybody with the way that they've tried to help him. Like, they've done him no favors at all. So, I mean, they, they paid a I'm number three a wide receiver guy, but for money. I do think there is there is some talent there left untapped. I'll believe it when I see it. I just, I believe more in Dable. 
Yeah. And yeah. The tree that he's come from and everything. He's a legit guy. I think that it might not happen this year, but I could totally see one of those like, hey, towards the end of this season, you know, you get into divisional games, they could sneak. Take, if you mm-hmm. take them lightly, they'll sneak the one out against you because they're going to play hard and they're going to play hard from start to finish. And that was my thing about Dable. With, that's what I said specifically about him being matched up with Daniel Jones. It's my thing with Dable and Josh Allen was why Josh Allen was so successful is because Brian Dabble sat here and he sat down with Josh and he took every single intermediate pass in the playbook out of the playbook. He said, you can't throw the ball across the middle, Josh, and that's okay. But you can throw it downfield really well and you can throw these short passes really well. So we're going to make an offense full of what you can do properly. And I feel like if he can take that, I feel like it'll be kind of reversal with Daniel Jones where take the deep passes out of the playbook. Make it a methodical offense. Run the ball properly. Let him execute within the middle of the field and the short passes. And you get a, a decent Daniel Jones. I'm not going to say you're getting franchise quarterback Daniel Jones, but you're going to get a quarterback in a, a situation similar to how Mitch Trubisky was doing this year where somebody can do something with this if he's played just like this. He has to have everything perfect, but if he can get played just like this, we can work with it. Yeah. So, um, did you guys have anything else you guys wanted to add? Um, any other topics? No. No, I mean, just be cautiously excited, Eagles fans. Don't don't get too high. I know that's crazy. You can't ask Eagles fans not to get too, too pissed off. But just take it one one day, one game at a time this year. And Honestly? Don't get too, high, don't get too low. Just a lot of what Coach is saying. A lot of what Coach is saying. I feel like I said this on an episode of P's and Q's with me and Parf last year, and it was so easy to date back to it me in the middle of the season because, like clockwork, that's how the season always happens. So I take the time and I say it now. But let's be real, Eagles fans. Yeah, Howie Roseman did his thing. We have a much improved roster. Is so much anticipation in the air, but. As Coach just said, the entire goal is to get 1% better every day. You're not going to always have your best days. You're not going to always have your worst days. But you just got to be willing to deal with the process. You got to understand who your football team is long before the season starts. Because like I said last year, like I will continue to say this year and every year forward, 18, 17 games is a lot of games. That's four months worth of football. And it's so easy to lose sight of what you had in front of you right here in June. Then when December coming, you like my team four and twelve. What the hell is this? So I mean, you just gotta remember who exactly you think the Eagles are, what exactly you think this football team is, and just try not to overreact, man. Again, one percent better. Jalen, the goal is to identify what you think of in your franchise quarterback. And once we figure out the franchise quarterback position, I feel like the way the roster is not only built right now, but being constructed for the foreseeable future, you have yourself a a really good football team. It's just all about patience at this point. Which, I mean, good luck saying that word in Philadelphia. Zero. So so what you guys are saying is Super Bowl. Uh, (laughs) Oh. 16 and 0. All of that good stuff. Yeah, basically. 17 and 0.
But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, thank everybody out there listening. Be sure to leave us a rating and review. And uh, visit thephillybits.com for all our written work. My guy, make sure you like from your mom's phone, your phone, <laughs> your friend's phone, free park. And we'll be back one day. Go birds, baby. Go, Go birds. birds.